Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight. I'm Annie Dickerson. And I'm Julie Lamb. Together, we're the founders of Good Egg Investments and creators of the Real Estate Accelerator. We help real estate investors and syndicators build their brands, find the right investors for their deals, and scale their businesses so they can do more and bigger deals. We believe that everyone has the power to make an impact through raising capital and helping people achieve financial freedom through real estate. We invite you to join the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight Facebook group so we can amplify our impact together. We know you're going to love this episode. And hey, be sure to stick around to the end of the show because we're going to reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing real estate podcasts on the planet. Ready? Let's go. Welcome back, friends, to the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight Podcast. I'm your host, Annie Dickerson, and today I'm thrilled to introduce you to Brian Ponell. Brian, how are you today? I'm doing great. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me on today, Annie. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Brian, you have such an incredible story, and I know our listeners are going to be so inspired by not only how you got into real estate, but how quickly you've rocketed through and seen success in this space. So start by sharing how you got into the real estate space in the first place. That's yeah, funny. Um, you know, right now we're, we're kind of in the holiday season and looking back last Thanksgiving, I didn't know a single thing about real estate. I thought it was- I know, either, isn't that you know, wild? It is. It's crazy how fast things can change in a year. Um, and so, you know, I, didn't, I thought it was all corporations that own the apartments. And if you wanted to get into real estate, you got to go swing a hammer. And I'm not a very <laughs> mechanical guy. And so I never had really considered real estate investing and, and read a book uh, last Thanksgiving and a light bulb just turned on with the chance to be entrepreneurial and just all the positive benefits of, of the asset class and investing in that uh, in multifamily specifically. You know, my background's in oil and gas as an engineer. And so, you know, as I read this book about how at the end of the day, it's really creating a business and, you know, putting a team in place and, and on the deal flow side, you're cranking through these cash flow models. It really felt similar to what I did day in, day out. And it was to a degree like riding a bike. Of course, you know, there's some things to learn about multifamily, but yeah, just really dove right in. I mean, had conviction after just after reading that book that weekend that I, you know, it was a space that I wanted to be in and, and get involved in. And so starting in January, you know, stood up the LLC and, and started taking off. Wow. You don't waste any time. Thanksgiving <laughs> to January. It's like, wow, you, you really soaked it up and then you took action. I love that. And I think that's a huge part of why you've seen such quick growth and success is that you don't get stuck in the analysis paralysis. Um, you really go after it. And so tell us first, um, what was the book? Everybody's going to be curious about what the book was. And then also at that point, when you got into it, did you have like a long-term vision in mind? Were you going to quit your job and do this full time? Or what was that? Um, what was that future? Future looking like for you in real estate? Yeah, I appreciate the question. Yeah. So the book was called The ABCs of Real Estate by Ken McRoy. It's a really good, straightforward book. Uh, you can burn through it in a weekend like I did on, on the Kindle or whatever. Um, and again, like I fell in love with a lot of the reasons why people choose to invest in multifamily, whether it's the tax advantages, the cash flow, the inflation hedge, um, 
for me, it was also a, a bigger why improving these local communities for tenants. We Most of us have lived in apartment communities before, and there's a huge difference having a management team in place that really cares about the community. And so it, it also scratched maybe the bigger picture for me. Um, and then, you know, to your question about, you know, what was the plan? You know, to a degree, I didn't have a plan. I, what I did when I, after I'd read that book in November, I spent most of December reaching out to, you know, I think we connected around Christmas, for example. And so reaching out to a lot of folks that I found online that were doing syndication full time and trying to figure out how'd they get to where they are today and what would they do differently. And I'd say the most common piece of advice was don't get stuck in, you know, this process by analysis. And, you know, you don't have to start small. There's a lot of people that, uh, and syndicators that mentioned they started in single family and they got a duplex and a quadplex. And, you know, they, they talked me through how a lot of that is just as much work as if you go big right away. And so instead of having like a five or 10 year plan, I really sat down and said, okay, in the next 12 to 18 months, there, there was two goals. I had one, I wanted to diversify my wife's and our savings. So I wanted to be an LP on a number of deals and, and we've done that. We can talk through some of that. And that's been a lot of fun. But two, with my skill set and deal flow, I said, okay, in the next 12 to 18 months, I want to go big right away, take a home run swing and see if I can get a hundred plus unit property and call it that 12 to 18 month time frame. And yeah, luckily I uh, got a deal signed within the first six months in Austin. Isn't it amazing how when you put it out to the universe, it just somehow like one way or the other, the universe conspires to bring it to you. Well, exactly. we're going to dig yeah, into just... that deal for sure. But um, tell me... Um, Tell me a little bit about the LP experience, because would you recommend that people who want to get into this space, um, that they start as an LP first, or what did you glean from that experience? Yeah, I would. And again, it was, you know, maybe more of a compressed time scale than a lot of people are used to, uh, you know, but starting in January for a month-ish, maybe, you know, maybe two months, I would, you know, got on all these LP lists and I looked through the OMs and just, it gave me some familiarity with, you know, things like the, the equity structure, the debt terms, the, you know, typical dollars per door people were spending on CapEx, different markets, just really familiarized myself with a lot of the verbiage. And then again, for me, it was, okay, I'm interested in becoming this syndicator and GP, but I also really believe in the space and the asset class. So I do want to divest our savings that were 99.9% in stocks. And so it's been a really fascinating experience to invest in things from multifamily. I did senior living, ATMs. Um, and so I've been all over the spectrum, but in general, in that alternative asset class. And so I've, I've learned a ton and it's been a lot of fun. And what in particular draws you to multifamily in particular? Yeah. So multifamily in particular, I'd say, you know, it's something like I mentioned earlier that most of us have lived in an apartment. So I understand it, you know, uh, and then it's that combination of the strength of the returns that these multifamily investments generate for investors. And at the same time, you're building a better community through value add propositions for the tenants that live there. So it's, it's really this true like symbiotic relationship and a win-win for everyone involved, the GPs, the LPs, and the, and the tenants. Yeah, exactly. That's I remember when I first got into multifamily, that's what I loved about it too, was it's not very common in business and commerce and life that you find something that's such a win, win, win for everybody involved. It really is. I mean, there's enough meat on the bone for everybody to get a piece of the pie. I just mix my metaphors there, pie and meat. Uh, (laughs) And bones. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) 
Um, okay. So you invested as an LP in a number of deals through that. I'm just curious, did you, did you see any differences in, um, the, the deal sponsors and the way that they were running the deals? And then did that give you some insights into how you eventually wanted to run your own deals? Yeah, I'd say because everything happened so quickly, um, and typically, you know, the takeover takes a few months. I didn't really start getting a bunch of monthly or, or quarterly reports until I started really running hard at underwriting, uh, you know, almost a deal a day. But now that I've been in some of these investments for a period of months, what I appreciate the most is the type of sponsors that are that put communication at the top of their their priority list. So making sure every month they write a nice detailed report of what's happened at the property. Um, you know, the, the financial package that investors can look at if they want to, but I love reading those monthly reports and just understanding, okay, where are we at in our business plan? What were the main, you know, two or three things to happen versus there's a few investments I've made where I haven't heard from the sponsor for like three or four months after the investment. Um, and so there's yeah, a huge dichotomy between those two paths. And I definitely in the future would choose a sponsor that I know is going to communicate and be quick to respond to any questions I have. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, both on the sponsor side as well as the LP side, you know, that communication is so key. And, you know, we've done everything we can to make sure that we're available on all the different channels for all of our investors <laughs> at any point in the process. And I think it's a huge differentiator, right? Because, right. you know, the deals can look very similar, but the experience makes all the difference. Um, exactly. I, I mean, I, I'm an engineer by background, a finance guy, but I'm not digging through those reports every month. You know, I, it's the whole no like, and trust. I went with a sponsor that I, you know, gained some respect and, and you developed a relationship with, I like the submarket, the property and I invest in. So really to me, what's most important is that communication and understanding at a high level what's going on, but I don't want to be spending hours as an LP digging into the financials and figuring out oh, what, you know, doing a reconciliation versus the underwriting or something, you know, so. Totally. It's all about that trust factor. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So now let's transition and talk about that first deal. Okay. So you're, you read the book at Thanksgiving and then you're all, you were all in by January. You invested with several, um, several different sponsors as an LP. Take us through that journey. How did you go from um, having just read a book to then going through and in, uh, having your first deal on the GP side? How did that happen? That's yeah, a crazy journey. I mean, there's so much involved in, in this space. So it's, it's not easy for you know someone that's sitting there today and it's very similar to me a year ago. There's just so many moving parts. There's the investor side, your brand, building up your knowledge base, underwriting deals. And at first, like many people, I had the shiny object syndrome and I'm just racing after everything. And okay, I'm, I'm trying to underwrite deals, but at the same time, I'm thinking, wait, I need to go build a WordPress site and I need to build it <laughs> out, you know, start sending things to my closest 20 friends and family. And so it was, it was a little overwhelming. Um, but on the deal flows, you know, I, I tried to break it down into the four or five different things like, okay, each week I'm gonna spend, you know, X amount of hours on website, brand, investor. Okay, I'm gonna spend, I'm gonna try to underwrite a deal a day at the beginning. Uh, to really gain that traction and knowledge. And so uh, early on, I'd call the brokers, get on their list. Uh, it's pretty easy. It's a lot easier to get on their list than I thought. Uh, of course, then you have a conversation with someone we don't really understand what they're asking early on, but I, I had no shame, right? Uh, just was very transparent with my background and, and where I was at and told them, 
you know, I felt confident in underwriting these deals. And I was going to partner with people that had the, the full-time experience here in Texas and start, it's just a numbers game. I mean, it's not, um, it's not glamorous. It's a lot of work. Uh, but as, as you all know, cause you know, I know your group screens a ton of deals. I mean, you hear this whole rule of thumb, it takes a hundred deals to get one. And that's about what it was for the Austin deal. We, I looked at about a hundred deals, you know, different levels, screened some underwrote uh, a lot of those and around that magical number 100 finally got an LOI accepted. So it's a lot of work but, and you've just got to have the conviction and the right mindset that you're making progress, even though there may be nothing tangible that's occurring. You, you know, you might be in a best and final and get blown out. I mean, but it's not like, it's so different than building like a product in tech or something where you can see these tangible results and you're really just continuing to come up to bat and swing. And eventually, you know, you try enough times, it'll hit one. Yeah. So tell us more about this, this deal. How did you come across it? Was it on market, off market? Um, What was special about the deal and how did you get that LOI accepted? Yeah. So I think it had enough hair on it that there's probably a lot of people that shied away. So it had been on market with a different broker to bounced around. The ask was a lot higher than market at the time. Of course, now things have moved so much that they could probably have gotten that price. Um, and so we actually saw it come out. It was one of the first deals I probably underwrote back in February, bounced around, didn't transact. Uh, another broker picked it up. We had toured with that broker on a different deal a couple miles away. And so I had that relationship with him. And uh, the other hair on this deal was that it had a, a building that had actually burned from a New Year's Eve fire, uh, fireworks accident. And so there was also that little hair where, you know, some folks probably, again, shy away. You've got nine units that are down making zero revenue. It's a lot, you know, you're going to have a lot of CapEx work there. But, you know, where people shy away and where there's some hair is also where the opportunity lies, especially for, you know, someone younger like myself. And so we dove right in, uh, had a really, I'd say the reason why we probably got the deal was again the repetition the at bats but also that relationship with our property manager this property manager is headquartered in austin and really understands the nuances of these sub markets and he his pro forma was more bullish than ours was because he just understood boots on the ground where rents were going that day that week um and so he really helped fine-tune that underwriting model a place where we felt 100 confident after many calls with with that group and we were able to submit a competitive loi and so it was 138 units in this Mueller submarket in Austin that's just completely redeveloping. In fact, there's a beautiful Class A property going up against our fence, and so we're clearly not going to, you know, compete with with uh, with that. That's not going to be the same tenant base, but we'll get some overflow. And it's great to see a, an established developer plant their flag on the corner of that street and say, "Okay, I see the the path of progress here." Mm, that's exactly where you want to be. Oh my goodness. What an amazing story. Okay. So you go from investing as an LP in all these deals to having an 138 unit deal under contract in one of the hottest markets in the country. I love what you said too, about the, the hair on the deal. And you gotta, you gotta look at those deals because there's so much opportunity and maybe a little bit more difficult than some of the other deals, but that's why that's what weeds out a lot of the tire kickers. Um, Okay, so before we get into how it's going with that deal, tell us about, um, so you got the deal under contract. Tell us about um, 
getting it to the finish line. So namely, you know, the due diligence and the, the raise portion, um, were your friends and family pretty keen to invest with you? Or how did you find uh, the capital you needed to close the deal? Yeah, I appreciate you asking those questions. Um, yeah, there's a lot, there's definitely some sleepless nights. So I'd say here in Texas, the, you know, typical offer may include one to one and a half percent earnest money. And me and one other gentleman uh, partner put the deal under contract together. And so I went from, again, n- absolutely no real estate experience to putting up, you know, about half this earnest money. And, uh, you know, I had to tell my wife, I was like, look, just don't think about it. <laughs> like uh, we could lose this. It's It was hard. Uh, half of it was hard day one. And uh, for me, that was a, that was a big mental hurdle. But again, I just had conviction that this was a path I wanted to go down the DD, you know, experience was wow, you know, wow. What a learning experience for anybody that goes through that the first time there's so much involved with the financial records and the physical DD uh, to me, the, the most critical piece that you can have in place is a strong, whether it's a GC or a property manager that's doing that. And so they took off a lot of the heavy lifting uh, and, you know, we, we probably spent the majority of our time reviewing some of those findings with the property management group, and then also working with our debt team on, on the bridge debt. But uh, that was just, I, again, eye-opening to how much is involved, uh, how many conversations we had with the lender to, to get that in place, all the DD findings and fine-tuning our pro forma for uh, you know, some of the deferred maintenance that we, you know, that we found and we're going to need to address. And so it was really interesting. On the capital raising side, it was almost a $6 million raise. And so we brought in three or four other partners to help out with the equity raise, investor relations, and some other roles. Uh, a couple of them were pretty established and, and able to bring uh, definitely more money. Uh, for me personally, yeah, at that point, I was probably sending an email out to call it a hundred-ish, you know, friends and, and family, uh, something that's definitely a goal for 2022 to try to expand that and, and work on the investor base. But uh, I, I got, you know, I was lucky. I, I surpassed what I was shooting for to raise um, and didn't really truly try. I wasn't making a lot of calls. It was really more Throughout the year, I've been trying to educate some of my friends and family via a monthly newsletter. And so when I sent this out, it surprised me. I had multiple people I hadn't talked to in years, fraternity brothers, old colleagues that, you know, uh, that invested uh, six figures uh, just because of their interest in, in real estate. And I think some of the know, like, and trust with, you know, with myself. So it was, it was a positive experience. Uh, we'd had the money raised in probably about two-ish weeks. Oh, Two weeks, six million in two weeks. That's incredible. And I love what you said too about the just bringing people along for the ride, right? They want to be part of the journey. I think a lot of um, newer syndicators make the mistake of waiting until they have that deal under contract to tell anybody that they're in this Mm -hmm. space. They sort of secretly do it behind closed doors. But I always tell people, you know, no, let people know what you're doing. Tell them I underwrote 10 deals this week and I didn't find any that worked. And here's why. Bring them along for the journey so that by the time that you release that deal, they already see you in that light because they have to transition in their mind, you as the fraternity brother or you as the colleague or whatever it is to... Brian as the real estate syndicator, real estate investor, and that will take time. Um, and so I love that you did that. It's no wonder that you saw success there. You know what um, else I think helped Annie is yeah. it, you know, it, it came from a genuine place. It wasn't, I wasn't yeah. desperate. You know, again, yep. I had this 12 to 18 month time frame. 
I wasn't salesy. I, again, really didn't yeah. reach out and make phone calls. I, it was apparent, I believe it was apparent to my friends and family, like my genuine passion for the space. Again, I was making investments as an LP. I invested in this deal as an LP. Um, and so it was, it was more about becoming passionate about these alternative assets and this investment class. And so people see that and just think naturally have some degree of uh, interest and almost, you know, FOMO. And, and that's what, you know, leads to it rather than like, Hey, if you're, if you don't get in this, you're going to miss out and, you know, being really right. salesy. So it came from a genuine place of, Hey, we bought a property at a really attractive basis in Austin. Austin's one of the best real estate uh, markets. And, and then people just flock to that. Yeah. And the fact that you did it first yourself, you mm-hmm. sort of walk the line first and you, you put your own money on the line. Um, yeah. I'm sure that that gave them a lot more confidence in this space. Hey, Brian, what is Brian doing over there? Oh my gosh. He's investing <laughs> in all these things. I want to get in on a deal. Um, and so I'm sure that made a big difference too. It's been, so a lot. It's been us- so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us, okay. So how long have you owned the deal now and how are things going? Yeah. So we closed like the last day of October, right, right around Halloween. So called a month when we're recording this. Less than but, a and, year from the time that you yeah. read that book. Yeah, oh 11 my months goodness. That's got to go down as one of the fastest in history. Okay. So you got, <laughs> got it in I October. So then it. what'd you do? Well, the first thing I did was, um, Again, the, the brokers in Austin. So we, we wanted to have a little closing dinner for all of our GPs here in Houston. And so me and the primary business partner, we actually paid paid for it and brought the guys in. And the guy that raised the most capital, we gave him a WWE raising uh, capital bell and had had Amazing. a wonderful dinner at a steakhouse <laughs> here. And so you've got to pause and uh, celebrate things in life, right? And I tell a lot of people this everybody, all the, you know, people that are doing GPs and syndication celebrate, you know, getting a deal under contract on social media. But in reality, it's like such a small piece. We've got a five-year business plan to go execute on, but you do have to pause, take a breath, celebrate with the people around you that are special. And so that was number one. And then number two, we set up those uh, bi-weekly calls, uh, really two calls a week because we've got the weekly asset management call, but we also have a three and a half million dollar CapEx plan. So we've got a whole hour call every week to go through the capital. And so right now we're, we're still in the process of getting our third and fourth bids on, on the fire building, the roofs and some of the bigger ticket items. We've started addressing some of the lender required repairs, but what's been really interesting um, is the positive response of the tenants to our new property management group. They are going to have a a Christmas gift wrapping party here shortly. They had a pizza party for releasing. So that was really neat to hear about. And then everything you read about in the news with how hot Austin is, we're finding, you know, we're seeing that firsthand. We haven't put a dollar into the renovations yet, but we're signing leases already uh, on some of these renewals or move-ins at our pro forma underwriting without, again, spending a single dollar and on some of the classic units. So it's, it's amazing what's happening in Austin and this, and quite frankly, this country when it comes to the affordable housing and the supply and demand. Wow. Well, Brian, I know you're just getting started in this space. I cannot believe how far you've gone in just a year alone. Um, So watch out world. Here comes Brian. (laughs) Who knows what's in store for you in the coming years? And I'm sure that our listeners are going to want to follow up with you and learn more about all that you're doing. So tell them what's the best place to go. Yeah, please do. I love talking to people that have similar goals and passions. So my company's name is New Day Capital. It's www.newdayinb.com. I've got a free ebook on the website about the power of multifamily. And 
if you Google my name, uh, find me on LinkedIn or Facebook and we can connect there as well. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today, Brian, and sharing all your insights and your wisdom and your tremendous story of growth and achievement. To all of our listeners, be sure to take Brian up on his offer. Follow up with him to dig more to dig in further because we've only covered the tip of the iceberg here. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you all on the next episode of the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight. If you are a real estate investor or syndicator who would like to be on this podcast, please visit syndicationspotlight.com. And please also join the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight Facebook group so we can connect with you and learn more about you. And if you got something out of this episode, we'd love it if you could subscribe to this show and give us a rating and review. We promise to read your feedback and take action to continue to make this show even better and more valuable for the real estate syndication community. My name is Annie Dickerson. And I'm Julie Lamb. Thanks for listening and thank you for being a part of the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight community.